everybody. Grab your Bible, pencil, journal, and maybe even a cup of coffee and join in on our conversation. But first, write this down. Mark 14, verses 51 and 52. And a certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body. And they seized him, but he left the linen sheet behind and escaped naked. Hey everyone, welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. My name is Kara and I'm Dot's daughter. And every week we sit down together, we talk through truths and scripture or whatever it is that God puts on her heart. But in this episode, I turn the tables on her a little bit and I come to her with a scripture to get her thoughts. And it's a fun episode because she has no idea what I'm going to ask her, but we end up talking through what it looks like when we want to run from Jesus or when we want to walk away or when we don't feel his presence when we feel abandoned by him. So we are so glad that you're here. So pull up a chair and listen in. Hey, everybody. I have a surprise for you. (laughs) Actually, it is a surprise to me, too. So today is going to be a little bit different. We're taking a little bit of a pause between the boundaries. And this may be a boundary. I'm not sure yet. (laughs) But but Kara has uh, picked these verses that I have no idea until right now what these verses are. And she wants to discuss these verses. And so I am really praying that this is going to mean something (laughs) to you that are listening and something that's uh, worth turning into. Well, I think it will be. Spend a little bit of time with us. Yeah. Yes. She keeps telling me. That I told her, I said, Kara, I don't want to just talk about something that is not meaningful or helpful. And she said, I think that it will be. So anyway. Here's what happened is, for those of you listening in, I sound like a man because I had the flu last week and I caught it from my loving mother. So over the last week or two, we have both had the flu, um, which was awful. And in all honesty, we didn't really know what we were going to record about because we were just trying to survive. <laughs> and Exactly. And literally yesterday, we've talked about this before, but my mom and I, we read through the Bible every year. And so I got really behind. This is not shocking to anyone who knows me. It's certainly not shocking to my mom, but I got behind with being sick and I was reading and Mark yesterday. And the whole reason I'm even on this podcast with her, because it's her podcast, is because we naturally, we talk about scripture, we talk about truths on a normal basis. This is very natural for us. This is just what we do. And I was reading Mm -hmm. this verse, this chapter yesterday, Mark 14, and I almost text her And I thought, why don't we just talk about this on the podcast? Like, just as if I'm calling her up and being like, hey, I just read this. Let's talk about this. So it is kind of fun, actually, because I have my thoughts. I won't go into it in a minute. But (laughs) when I told Dot, or I don't know why I just called you Dot, when I told my mom that um, this was the first, she immediately, I saw her wheels turning, thinking, where is this going to go? What are we going to talk about? Is this going to be good? (laughs) You know, I've discovered over the years that your kids sometimes turn around and do to you what you've done to them all their lives. And with this podcast, uh, we have said, and 
people I've talked to about the podcast is that Kara never knows what we're going to talk about. And so I'm usually preparing, getting ready, and I want our conversations to be extremely authentic and just natural. Because like Kara said, we do talk about Scripture a lot because we read the Bible together and we come up up on a, a specific Scripture that seems a little misunderstanding or we've not exactly knowing what the scripture says, often we will um, just talk about it. Mm-hmm. So she has kind of turned the tables around for me. It's so fun. It's I just thought this, here's a yeah. here's a perfect opportunity. So fun. But mm-hmm. so here's my when I was reading this verse of a young man flees. My first thought was I had heard that this man is Mark who is writing the gospel. Wait a minute. Oh. Let me back up. So you've always read that the guy that we're talking about, the certain young man that was following him with wearing nothing, was Mark? Yeah. Is that not right? Well, it doesn't say that. I know. Well, who do you think it is? I don't know. It doesn't have a name. Have you ever looked into it? No, I really haven't. But what I do know is Mark does write the letter, the bookmark. Right. He is the author, mm-hmm. and I do know that the theme of the book is uh, servant, Jesus as a servant, and I do know that Mark talks a lot about the miracles of Jesus. So I don't know where I originally heard that. Well, I ended up researching it yesterday when I read it, and a lot of scholars do suspect that it is Mark, and Hmm. This one in particular that I, this one article that I read is actually through Dallas Theological Seminary, talking through a bunch of the reasons why people do think that it's Mark, which I thought was really interesting. Um, Because if you think about it, it's just, it is the most random little detail to throw in there right after Jesus has been arrested, before he goes to trial, before he goes to the council, you know, it's like right smack dab in the middle of this like climactic part of the story. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, there's this young man who like the details, like the fact that he's naked with the linen cloth and that he leaves. And it's mm-hmm. just so random. And so that's why it just kind of, it sparked my curiosity because it doesn't really make sense why this would be in there. And a lot of, based on my research yesterday, which you can, I mean, you know, we don't really know. It's not like anyone is like we know for sure, but there is a lot of speculation that it is Mark. Interesting. One of the reasons was, I think, because he it, he refers to himself as like he was, fo- he was a follower of Jesus. Like mm-hmm. a young man followed him is how what my translation says, which... A lot of people or the scholars think that um, the fact that he said he was following them is also to mean that he was a disciple, like wasn't just following them in term in this night, but was a follower of Jesus. Hmm. I can't believe you've never heard this before. No, I haven't. Well, when I take seminary classes <laughs> and when I look at the scripture, it says not to add something in there that's not already there. Now, there are often scripture that will tell us things and you will know through the other gospels or, a, you know, coordinating scripture will explain something. So a lot of times when they're talking about Jesus, he'll say he or 
the Son of Man, something like that. They may have a title, but I know that it's Jesus. But if it's not specifically saying Jesus, when you're studying the Scripture, you're not supposed to really put in it what you already know, but go exactly what yes, you read. Right. So this certain man following him, wearing nothing but a linen sheet over his naked body, doesn't necessarily in my opinion, imply that it is John Mark. Now, there were a lot of people following Jesus, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of people that were demon-possessed. Now, and this certain man says he's wearing nothing but a linen. So there's obviously something going on besides the fact that, you know, right. that he's just a man well, following One him. thing that was really interesting that was pointed out in some of the commentaries I was reading is... Mm-hmm. That the only time in Mark's gospel where he refers to a linen cloth or uses that, there's a specific Greek word for that linen mm-hmm. cloth is in this instance and when Jesus is wrapped for burial. So there is, again, I guess it's speculation, but there has been, um, I guess, a parallel to the fact that this man followed Jesus and pointing out the nakedness of the linen cloth falling has two, I guess, symbols. One, the shame, the shamefulness of the disciple fleeing, because in this moment, Jesus had been arrested, and uh, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus that we know, because they were named, they fled, mm-hmm. and so did this disciple. So it's Literally everyone that was there fled, like left Jesus, completely abandoned him. In other words, failed as a disciple because Jesus had said his entire ministry to follow him, to follow me. And these disciples did not. They fled. They they abandoned him. And so the detail of that linen cloth falling and he, him being naked was the symbol of shame, a symbol of embarrassment because of the failure but also linking it to the burial, how you could see that as that shame has, was buried with Jesus. You know, like he took on our shame. He took on our sin. And he did. That's true. And that is right. scriptural. And it says that the fact that the linen cloth, like you said, does represent, or there was a time when Jesus, you know, uh, was in the tomb and they wrapped his body and then when the disciples came to look because they had heard that the you know he was no longer in the tomb they did find the linen sheet and mm-hmm. it was you know folded up and there was two angels uh, saying why are you you know looking for someone that's living among the dead um, I d- have heard even when Lazarus was being raised from the dead you know it says seized him and free him because he was wrapped up in a barrel cloth. And a lot of people talk about how that it took someone else to, you know, take his shame. Or But Lazarus didn't have shame. But it was taking what bind him, what caused him to be enslaved or a symbol of death, bring into light. A lot of times that this does represent you know, life coming from death to life. What, the linen cloth? Right. Like it's because you use that to put someone in the tomb. That was the way that they buried them. When Lazarus comes up from the grave, he comes out of the grave 
And Jesus tells the people looking, you know, take his cloth, unseize him, and set him free. So there is a uh, obvious dressing, or this is a material, this is something that they use for dead people. And so I would say more so looking at the life of Jesus, it proved that Jesus took away and left what bound him and what appeared to be a dead man, but now he's alive. So Right. Which, and I guess that, like, that ultimately, you know, the wondering who this man was and looking into it, is this really John Mark or not? And and we don't know that. We can, you know, we can all speculate all day long who it is, but it kind of led me down this this road of just seeing that, like this little detail in scripture, these two mm-hmm. little verses that are talking Seem about this place. young man mm-hmm. is so out of place. It's so random, but it does connect and who knows what the author intended again, we don't know, but it does connect to this bigger picture of what is happening because, because of that, like he did take on our sin. He did take on our shame. It was buried with him, but he also triumphed over it. And it, we could look at that and say, you know, this young man, whoever, if it's John Mark or not, but he was, you know, covered in that and he fled, he abandoned, he, he left, but it didn't matter because Jesus still died and Jesus still took on that, took on our shame and he still overcame and he still has victory over it. And it didn't matter that that young man or any of the disciples quote unquote failed or abandoned Jesus Mm -hmm. in that moment. And the, you know, in the moment when he needed them the most, he still did it and he still does it for us. It doesn't matter when we fail. It doesn't matter you know, those moments where we may like walk away or we doubt or we, you know, stiff arm Jesus, he still moves forward. He still comes toward us. Well, and I find it interesting if you look up, you know, to the verses 48 and 49, it says, you know, they're obviously Judas has come. They've come to arrest him. So there's a crowd. There's the Pharisees and Judas is, you know, kisses Jesus, so that they would know that this was Jesus, because they're in the tomb. We all know that from the other scriptures, from the you know other gospels, that they've come in the middle of the night to get Jesus. And Jesus says, "Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me, as against a robber?" And then in verse forty nine, it says, "Every day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But this has happened that the scriptures might be fulfilled." And they all left him and fled, which is what you're talking about, is that the disciples all left him and fled, and that this could possibly be John Mark, that he also fled. The fact that he had nothing on but a linen cloth, I'm not really sure, because they were in the upper room. They had just you know, been having the Lord's Supper, and so then they're going out into the uh, temple. So I don't know if this is John Mark. I don't know. It could be. I'm not saying one way or the other. What I have found in Scripture, is there a lot of reasons that these Bible scholars that study it way longer than than mm-hmm. I do come up with that conclusion? Yeah, I there's a lot of like literary, like how it was written and all that mm-hmm. that people speculate. But again, it wasn't, who knows? I mean, that there's no fact. But what I find interesting is that everybody loved Jesus. And, right. of course, Jesus said that was going to be true when he was at 
the, having the Lord's Supper, that right. they were he warned them. awfully. He warned them, and he told them mm-hmm. to go pray. He told Peter, you know, pray. Satan has asked to sift you. He's asked to sift you, and that's a huge a, a whole podcast in the fact that it implies the the word there means that Satan knew that he would not be able to get to uh, Peter unless God gave him permission. And yet everybody left because Peter said, oh, I will not. I'll never forsake you. Now, I will have to say that John and his mother and Peter did come back and they started watching the cross and looking and saw the cross and saw Jesus on the cross. I think that the the key is this, and, and what these verses are really saying, there are a couple of things going on, and that is that Scripture would be fulfilled. It says that mm-hmm. the shepherd would be striked and the sheep were scattered. So there is a fulfillment, which is very important. And then, then Jesus even makes um, a point when he says, I've been sitting around preaching and teaching all through the streets, and now you've decided to come after me, meaning you're really thinking this is your plan, but it's really mine. Right. Because like when you're, Jesus you're, says, It's almost like you're, um, oh, what's that what's You think that you're saying? in control, but you're not. Yeah, like he had them in the palm of their hands, basically, right. in the palm of his hands, without them even realizing it. That's right. And so then, then to bring in that there was another person that was dressed in linen cloth or whatever, and he's leaving him. I think that there are some great things to think about linen cloth, and this is the first time this is bringing up when they're going to wrap Jesus with linen cloth and put him in the grave, wrap his body. Of course, you know, Mary and and Martha and uh, Jesus' mother didn't think they did a good job because they go back after the Sabbath to finish up what they thought Mm-hmm. You know, the people did to put Jesus in the tomb and then to find the linen cloth there. I think that the linen cloth uh, does represent what was dead has been brought to life. And maybe this young man who's following Jesus sees this and that the reason that's in there, that whoever this person is, it's John, Mark or whoever, that even at that moment that there was a sense of what was dead is about to come to life. Right. And that's what it's Jesus does. It's like a foreshadow. Does. That's right. And that's what Jesus mm-hmm. does. He brings what is dead to life. And only Jesus can do that. So mm-hmm. I just think it's interesting when you're reading the scripture and it's like these details where there's just such a random thing to throw in there. There has to be meaning or intention behind it. You know, it's not just there just for kicks. Mm-hmm. So there is something that you know, God is wanting to use in these like little, these two little lines. And I think that was one thing that when I was just doing some research with commentaries yesterday of there's so much speculation or not really speculation in a bad way, but like the correlation with the linen cloth and what the meaning behind that. And then the, but then also with, you know, him being naked and that could represent the shame and the embarrassment and the failure, you know, there's so much to it. And that's what I just think is so like the details that God does to work his plan, just like those verses you pointed out right before in 48 and 49, where this is all to be fulfilled. And so maybe those two verses of the young man fleeing isn't to fulfill anything, but maybe it is to fulfill something to show me something 2000 years later, or I mean, who knows, you know, so I, I just I think was, those details are fascinating. 
I would say, Kara, if there's meaning behind this, which we all know it is, like you said, nothing is just stuck in the scriptures just to be find it interesting. There's purpose. There's things behind it. But I, I guess if I, as I'm looking at that, what I really think in my head is that no one was really with Jesus. No one really stayed with him. When things got tough, everybody fled. And so when uh, this man, whether it's John Mark or whoever, was following Jesus, the crowd, you know, the army, the people that were there to, to kill Jesus, to get a hold of Jesus and, to, you know, hurt him. Actually, they wanted him dead. They were coming after him, and whoever was around him, uh, they were going after them as well, just like that's why Peter, you know, denied him because he was scared because they said, weren't you with him? Weren't you with him? Right. So this man who's following him escaped and uh, ran away because he was with them. And now the crowds, you know, now here is Jesus in a very difficult situation and they're afraid and they run. And I think that there's a lot of application to that. We don't know this, so there's not a lot of observation. We don't know who it is. We can say, well, we know that there was a man and he was naked and he was following him. And then the crowds tried to seize him, so he got afraid and he ran. So we can look at that. But as far as interpretation, whether or not it's John Mark, we don't know. But what we do know is that it does fulfill a scripture of what verses 48 and 49 says, because no one came to Jesus's rescue. Well, yeah, even when this young man fleeing, I mean, he was like so desperate to get away, he ran away naked. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like people are just kind of walking away like, oh, the show's over. I'm just going to meander over here. Like they were like, bolting out of there like mm -hmm. i am not staying around this man for nothing not even that's worth right. keeping my body clothed that's right and i mean i have i i just that was is one part of the story of jesus's arrest and crucifixion that always really just breaks my heart is just the abandonment that he felt and and i have dealt with abandonment and betrayal in my life and it does bring comfort. I mean, he know he knows what that feels like way more mm -hmm. than I do. And him being able to empathize. What's that verse somewhere in the New Testament where it says we have we don't have priest a high able priest in Hebrews, mm -hmm. right? And I, it's like well, he he does. He knows that. Like I've I have been betrayed and abandoned, but I've never had someone close to me want to get away from me so badly that they would rather run away naked <laughs> than mm -hmm. to stay by my well, side. Well, I think that, that that is true. But Kara, really and truly what's really sad about this is that when Jesus was healing the sick, bringing life, feeding them on the hill, when Jesus was doing all the good things, the crowds were just after him. They couldn't get enough of Jesus. But yeah. things are getting tough. Following Jesus isn't really benefiting them as well. They don't really see a really need being met. Jesus is now in the hands of his betrayers, which appears that Jesus now is going to be enslaved and and that he will not be a you know a help or a comfort to anyone. That Jesus now is going to be a prisoner, 
And so here are these disciples who wanted Jesus to come against Rome and Jesus to be the king. And now Jesus has got this crowd coming after him, and then they're taking him to the high priest, and he's going to have trials, and then eventually to the cross. So when things started getting tough, they fled. And I think that that's the message more than anything, is that when things get tough in life, when God doesn't necessarily appear to be in control, that we think, well, surely God is not in control of this situation. Surely I cannot see God in this situation at all. This has to be something that's happening. And maybe this has to be Satan in this. This has to be someone that is hurting me, that someone that's evil, someone that is not looking at my for my best interest. That they must be in control instead of God. And as Jesus was saying at the very beginning, he was saying you come after me with swords and a club, and I've been out teaching, sitting around. You could have taken me at any time. So did you ever think that maybe you coming after me right now is really uh, your choice, or is this something I've designed, which we know now because we know the whole story, that Jesus was in control of the whole situation. Mm-hmm. That was proven. But I think that the message today, Kara, and what I see that is that everybody fled. Everybody left Jesus when it got tough. And I was talking to someone today, and their life is going through a really difficult time. Their marriage, their job, their home, so much is going on in their lives. And it's really been difficult. And about the time they think that something's going to get a little bit better, it gets worse. Mm-hmm. And they're praying. And I asked her, I said, how's your relationship with God. Do you sense God's presence in this very difficult time? And she said, no. No, I don't sense him. And and she started to cry. And she said, I feel like somewhat that God has abandoned me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, as you were saying, that that pain of rejection and that pain of feeling that abandonment is deep. And I think that This tells us that this, too, was fulfilled because we do know that uh, Isaiah talks about the shepherd and how that the sheep scattered. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly what happened. And I think that's the main thing is it appears to be that the other people and your circumstances are in control when they're not. Right. It's like... No matter if you feel like you've been abandoned, or maybe you have abandoned God, or maybe you have failed, quote unquote failed, maybe you've made a mistake, maybe, I don't know, whatever, you maybe you're in a season like who you talked to today, but it's like God can use that. God can turn anything around. He can put a linen cloth over your situation and bring life out of death or, you know, bring purpose out of it or do something with it. He He can do anything. Mm-hmm. And just remember, those people that were following Jesus thought it was going to pay. This was going to be good, that their life was going to be better because they were following Jesus. And so many Christians today think that if I follow Jesus, then I won't have any trouble, I won't have any pain, I won't have any, that I won't be abandoned, that I'll always feel loved. And and we should, we should always feel loved because God won't abandon us and He does love us. But it doesn't mean that the people around us is going to always love us and won't abandon us. It doesn't mean that the world's not going to 
you know, be hard to live. Our circumstances aren't going to be difficult. And so often when we do that, we don't see that maybe there's a purpose. Maybe God does have a plan. Maybe things are going to turn out for our good and His glory. Maybe in time, God is going to work all these things out. And we abandon God. We walk away from God because life is difficult. And I think that that's really what's happening uh, in these verses. Now, I don't know if it's John Mark or what. But like you said, he ran away. And it is dropped right there in the middle of a crazy situation where the Pharisees and the rabbi, they all came to get Jesus and to arrest him. And the people fled. And again, Mm -hmm. what they thought of Jesus and how they viewed Jesus, it was changing because they're like, I thought, Jesus was going to set up the kingdom. I thought Jesus was going to make everything better. And now they've come after Jesus, and Jesus looks helpless. Right. And they will begin to lose hope. So do you like that I turned the tables around? Well, I did not know that we were going to talk about a man naked running away from Jesus. But <laughs> well, you like Genesis, Do you like Genesis 3? It's kind of a yeah, similar that's concept. Right. Exactly, except they did, you know, clothe themselves with fig leaves. Right, it's a little opposite. That's true. But I will have to say this. I am kind of glad because today I literally had a lot of conversations with several people where they were wanting to walk away from Jesus, run away. It was just too hard to be a Christian. And I just want to say this, that they... May want to run away from God, and they may feel like it's hard, and their expectation of what God is going to do in their lives may be different. They may feel like all their dreams and the things they thought life was going to be like is just not the same. It's just not what they thought they were going to be, and there's something in them that wants to run away, and they're emotionally wanting to walk away from God. But the neat thing is that no matter where they fled, no matter where this man fled, Jesus went to the cross for that man and for those disciples. He never left them, and he never will leave us. And even though we might want to run away, embarrassed, we feel like we have our shame, and we feel like we have our guilt, we are so in despair that we just feel real vulnerable sometimes, that we'll run away from God. But what I want to say is this, Kara, that no matter what's going on around us, faith can be our eyes. And we can see that no matter what's going on, Jesus is there. Jesus was there that night. And it doesn't matter what's going on. When we can see Jesus' presence, even in a difficult situation, then we have hope. Thanks for listening. I'm so glad that you could be a part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, you can find Dot on social media at Dot Bowen or visit her website, dotbowen.com. Subscribe, like, and share with your friends, and we will see you next week on Write This Down with Dot Bowen.